This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Good evening, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead podcast number 225, recorded Monday, August 31st, 2015. You know, I cannot believe tomorrow is going to be September already. Yeah, the back of summer has broken. It it, it really has. Uh, you know, I don't know about in the States, but up here in Canada, we consider Labor Day the unofficial end of summer. I mean, Why is it unofficial? Well, because summer doesn't technically end until sometime like the 21st of September or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, right. I guess right. that's true. But you can't wear starts. white after Labor Day. I'm going to have to stop wearing all my uh, my white jacket and pants and shoes and stuff. <laughs> Your white pants. <laughs> what are you, a lawn bowler? <laughs> I have. I could wear white pants. You could, I suppose. <laughs> uh, I've done lawn bowling. It's really fun. Anyways, the point is, it's man, it's tomorrow's September. The summer is gone. And school starts next week. Well, here in Canada, I know school started in certain states already, but that's weird. They start school really early down there. Um, but uh, it means that we have this week's episode of Fear the Walking Dead to talk about, and then there is no episode next week because they're taking Labor Day off. Oh, but well, well there it is. We'll uh, we'll talk more about that towards the end of the show. Um, right now. That's it. That's that's unless you have anything really exciting and important to announce. That's it for the preamble. We got nothing this week. We're going to move right on into the first bit here. Well, I just I was thinking, you know, how we have, uh, you know, the podcast is named The Talking Dead after The Walking Dead, and this this particular show that we're going to cover tonight is called Fear the Walking Dead. So I think we should change the name of the show to Hear the Talking Dead. Right here. <laughs> Okay, good. Uh, maybe. When I posted last week's episode, I did title the post, Fear the Talking Dead. But, oh, that's true. But we should... Fear you and your mighty beard that you're growing there. Oh, my beard is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It's amazing. just, you know, it's very axe murdery, but that's okay. That's okay. Axe murdery. I'm not going to axe murder anyone. I, I might um, chainsaw murder someone, but no axe murdering. Come on. <laughs> All right. Well, okay, good. Power tool is better. Power tool is better. I love my beard. I've been growing it like crazy for months now and it's just oh. totally out of control it's glorious it's it's a glorious beard it is i've had it trimmed a couple of times but never really to my satisfaction so i've decided that i just let it grow i actually put beard oil in it once in a while and yep. massage it it all feels very nice i think you need to braid it or at least put in a couple of braids like where your mustache would go down uh you put in a couple of braids down there like a like a dwarf <laughs> anything to look like a dwarf well yeah all right. That's what I think. Or just, you know, grow it to it uh, reaches your belly and then braid the whole thing. Oh, that'd be sweet. <laughs> I wonder if my wife would leave me before my beard got to my belly. <laughs> I don't think she'd leave you. <laughs> she might not she be might too happy. She might nag you uh, day in and day out till till you finally give in and cut it. It's possible. It is possible. Uh, my kids already tell me to cut it, but I say no, because I don't want it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're the adult. Because <laughs> they don't tell me what to do. <laughs> I bet they do. <laughs> uh, you may be right. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's, like I said, let's get into the first bit here. We're going to do something a little different this week. We are going to read some more listener feedback from last week's uh, episode. And that's because for at least season one of Fear the Walking Dead, we are not going to do, in case you didn't notice, we're not going to do the midweek listener feedback show like we do for the main Walking Dead show uh, because it's new. I mean, we didn't do this for the first season of, of The Walking Dead either, so 
we're going to sort of follow that trend here. Maybe next season when there are 15 episodes of Fear, we'll do it then, uh, but we will see. Speaking of which, next year, Jason, there's going to be 15 episodes of this show, yep. 16 episodes of the main show. That's 29. A, that's a lot. That's 29? Yeah. That's 29. That is a lot of friggin' oh, 31. 31. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> It's Monday. My brain has stopped working. Either it's way. Like it's over. Okay. It's, uh, yeah, well, you got need your brain for the rest of the week. That is 31 weeks of podcasting we have, like, full on next year, which is more than we've ever done. Okay. I'm just, Bring it on. I'm just saying. It means we got a lot to talk about next year, but that's next year. Okay. I keep getting sidetracked here. This is what we're going to do first. Listener feedback. All right. So this first block of feedback is about last week's episode and uh here we go rich from the internet writes as the brother of an addict dread is always present when the phone rings is he od'd somewhere has he been picked up again is he dead the feeling is overwhelming and your mood changes immediately you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop i understood the scene completely and it hits home as being authentic of course rich is talking about the phone ringing in the kitchen at the beginning of last week's episode we kind of were, you know, we were a little you. bit, yeah, okay, me. It's, it's always me, isn't it? <laughs> you were com- confused by it. I was a little bit confused as to why they were all so concerned when the phone rang, but, you know, this does make a lot of sense. Yeah. Right? Okay, good. All right, next we have Brittany uh, from the internet. Uh, we took an excerpt from Brittany's much longer email about drug addiction. Uh, It is normal that Maddie is almost dismissive of yet another incident with her drug-addicted son. She clearly cares about him, and I do think the show is trying to imply that she hides a bit from her problems by going back to work and leaving Travis there. But you have to understand that some parents and family members have to detach after a certain point, otherwise it just eats you up inside and destroys you. Sometimes detaching is both the only thing you can do for the addict and the only thing you can do for yourself. That's not what Maddie is planning as she outright says she won't cut him off, but she's clearly put up a wall, albeit an unsturdy one. This is totally normal. Most people, especially parents, find it really hard to turn off the instinct to protect and fix. But people do it, some better than others. I suspect Maddie is trying, but not really succeeding. Right. So again, this this goes back to us kind of... Or me again? Sorry, I, I'll stop. I'll stop implicating you in my misunderstanding. That, that's Jason. fine. You know, we're a team. We're here. We're in this together. It's okay. <laughs> we are. Well, I mean, my comments were: it seemed like Maddie, as portrayed by Kim Dickens, w- wasn't really all that concerned about her son's problems, and I was. I couldn't really understand that. But Brittany sort of explains it here. And thanks, Brittany, for your super long email. She had all kinds of things to say about drug addiction, but um, we'd be here all night if we read the whole thing. But I appreciate you sending it in. Um, But it does make sense. I guess at a certain point you have to detach yourself and um, do what you can to keep your own sanity as well as try to help your child or friend or whoever it may be. So it does make more sense to me when put in that context. And I appreciate the, the insight that Brittany sent in. Um, Next up is Mark in Baltimore. Mark writes, Nick and Alicia are not twins. He is over 18. The doctor says this. uh, this, The doctor says this why he can't reveal toxicology results to Maddie. And she's a junior in high school. Right. So I guess that makes sense. it, It does. It's obvious. It's clearly right there in the episode. They're definitely not twins. And you know what a junior in high school is, right? I do. 
us, us Canadians don't use those terms. Uh, a junior in high school for us would be grade 11. Grade 11, that's right. So uh, just in case anyone Freshman, out there. Freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. Junior, senior, exactly. Yeah. We used to have five years of high school here, but we, we, did. we don't anymore. I graduated grade 13. Me too. We, we all went to five years of high school. So Good times. now kids only do four, but we call it grade 9, 10, 11, 12. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. All right, next we have, uh, well, let me just one more comment on uh, on what Mark was saying is that, uh, that as I get older, I'm finding I'm having a really hard time telling people's ages. Like I can't tell a 25-year-old from a 18-year-old from a 30-year-old nowadays. It's lucky you're not dating anymore then. No, no, yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's pretty much it. Everybody I know, I know their age. <laughs> and I, I have a, uh, how old is my wife? She's my age. I, I'm not. Yeah, she's your your age, but not. Uh, I don't know ex- her exact age, and I don't want to say it on the air either. Oh, All I'm right. sure she wouldn't care. Everyone knows how old I am. She's 27. Yeah, but she <laughs> looks 29. <laughs> That's right. I heard. Uh, I heard good advice when somebody uh, when a woman asks you how old she looks, you always say 25. Always, no matter what? Always, no matter what. If they're younger than 25, they want to feel older and more sophisticated. If they're older than 25, well. Looking 25 is okay. So always say 25. Okay. What does this have to do with Nick and Alicia not being twins? Because he's over 18 and she's a junior in high school and I couldn't tell the age difference because right. I'm an idiot and I can't tell ages anymore. Okay. Well, I'm an old fuddy-duddy as, as, it, as it were. Well, you're older than everybody else I know, so. Except for Dave. Friend oh. of the show, Dave, is older than me. Oh yeah. Only by a bit though, right? A couple of years. Okay. <laughs> you're definitely the oldest person on this podcast. That's right, true. Right That's absolutely true. All right, next we have Angie from Birmingham. Calvin, holy crap, were those special effects good. Zombie Cal scared me. Decomposed zombies on The Walking Dead are nasty, but fresh zombies are fucking terrifying. Fucking terrifying. That's good. I'm glad we're seeing some fresh zombies. We haven't seen a fresh one on the main show, you know, in five, six seasons, five years. It's been a while. It has been a well, while. Well, you know, maybe cast members, cast members turn. Yeah, but and they're fresh. They, yeah, I guess so. But even like when Shane changed, he looked way more uh, decomposed. Like the moment he stood up, then oh, he grew eyebrow ridges. <laughs> his his, uh, his forehead was like poking out a little yeah. bit. Yeah, no, he uh, he definitely grew a mean eyebrow ridge. Yeah, well, he had to look a little bit more Neanderthal than he did when he was alive. But I, I, it's, you know, even when cast members change, as I was saying, I change, I think they seem to look more decayed on, on The Walking Dead than on this show. So we'll yeah. see how it goes. It's it's all Greg Nicotero. He he does both. Right. So it's... The it's, great... Greg Nicotero. Sorry, I should say I should preface that with the great. <laughs> it's his vision for both of these shows, so they've yeah. got to come together somehow. Michael in Ozark, Missouri wrote, I think I like this episode. It was slow building up, and I'm okay with that. I like the ending and how it makes you tune into the next episode to see what happens. I'm not so sure I would have liked it if The Walking Dead never existed and this was a standalone show. I think the association with The Walking Dead benefits this show tremendously. Oh, definitely. Yeah, this is definitely attack on kind of show for sure you were saying that last week weren't you just that this i mean i oh it was had to do with the ratings right there were 10.8 or whatever million people that watched it and and you you just wouldn't have had that if it didn't exist if the original show didn't exist yeah this is definitely i I think uh, what what do they use the phrase a companion show yeah that's right that that's exactly what this is it's it's absolutely definitely it's not a spin-off it's not a prequel it's not uh it, it's a companion show it needs to be companioning 
a companion of something else. Yeah, it's not a verb. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> well, I, the way you used it, it's not. I can verbize it if I want. You probably can. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's next? Uh, I don't know. Where are we? You are at uh, Michael from Ozark, Missouri, is you. And I already did that one, so you are Shannon from oh, Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, Shannon from Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> there does seem to be some tension between Travis and the kids, but at the same time, it's really interesting that it's Travis that Nick seems to feel more able to talk to and trust. It's Travis that Nick opens up to in the great scene in the hospital, even admitting that he's afraid he might be insane. And then it's Travis that he calls after he kills Cal, even getting upset when he realizes his mother has come along too. Uh, even with her there, he tells Travis, "I did a bad thing." He seems to be trying to keep it from, or keep her from hearing it at first. Part of that might be uh, not wanting to disappoint or worry her more. But uh, even so, it seems strange that he he'd pick up his mom's boyfriend to call on. Not pick up his mom's boyfriend, but yeah, pick, pick his mom's <laughs> boyfriend to call on. Yeah, no, it is interesting. Um, I, there's got to be an element here of maybe not wanting to disappoint your own mother, maybe with with trouble you've gotten yourself into maybe yeah. he sees he sees travis sort of as a more you know just a safer option for admitting his problems or or just getting some help i don't know well maybe yeah because he went to that high school where his mom worked i assume he did yeah so travis was probably uh his teacher at one point could have been that's true and, i didn't and, think of that you know that that relationship he was might have been one of the uh you know those special teachers you get every now and again that just seems to get you and uh is very important to you mm-hmm. he might be that teacher which evolved into uh you know his mom's boyfriend and then somebody he can trust yeah and come to think of it most of the sort of stepchild step parent tension last week was between alicia and travis right the daughter and the new new boyfriend of, of her mother so right uh, you know maybe she never had him as a teacher or this is all new to her she's just getting to know him whereas travis may sorry whereas nick may know him from you know longer or from more years back at the high school yeah he just feels more comfortable with the guy i think it's an interesting observation and um you know it's kind of fun that everyone seems to have tension with everybody else except these two yeah they're good friends okay finally about last week, Adrian in Buffalo, New York. When I was in elementary and middle school in Buffalo, New York, I attended the school which had an intercom system in each classroom that went to the principal's office. The principal could make mass announcements over the intercom to the whole school. He could also make individual calls to individual rooms, for example, when he needed a particular student to report to the office. This intercom allowed teachers in the room to to respond to the principal. They could have conversations back and forth. Interesting. So I don't know if this is a thing all over the place, but I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest, if this sort of intercom existed in schools here too. All I know is that my my high school didn't have it. You know, we no. had a PA system where you could broadcast to the whole school, but there was no office to room or room to room communications. Now, I was in high school a long time ago, so <laughs> things may have changed. Well, now they text you. you know, <laughs> oh yeah, there's probably a texting system. My my high school had a similar to yours had a PA system, but uh, the vice principal who was the uh, you know, the heavy in the school, the principal was all this nice and friendly, happy guy. Vice principal was the mean one. If he wanted somebody, he would walk into the classroom and go, "You come with me," and that was it. Like there was no public address system or, you know, intercom. It was like a personal visit to the classroom, a point, a, uh, 
a finger and uh, come with me to the office kind of thing. He was dragging you out of there by your earlobes. That's right. All right. Yeah, that uh, that probably happened in my high school, too. I don't know. But um, I think I wouldn't be surprised if schools all have these sort of intercoms now just to facilitate easy communication uh, or or they've moved past them. I don't know. Like like you said, they're texting or they're using some kind of instant messaging app or, or something. They'd I don't probably know. Probably text a student. You know, come to the office right now. Oh, oh yeah. Crap. That's right. To go to, <laughs> to, to attend this high school, you have to submit your cell phone number. Jesus. <laughs> you know, sometimes I think I'm glad I'm not in high school now, or I'm glad I was in high school in the uh, early 90s, let's say. Yeah. And, and I wonder what it's going to be like when my kids are high school age, which isn't too far off, but... It's like a week and a half from now. Still, no, that's... No, no, no. A week and a half I'm is... I'm kidding. <laughs> I was just being you know, generalized. No, I know, I know, but it's few years away yet, but it's going to be a whole different experience for them. Anyways, thank you everyone for writing in about last week's episode. We're going to talk about this week's episode now and then do some feedback for that one as well. So it's the rare double listener feedback episode. Um, but we haven't really got as much for Fear the Walking Dead. So if you want to write in or call in or, or visit our website and leave a voicemail there, please do. Uh, don't feel that, you know, you're, you don't want to write in for this show or something like that. We're covering it just as much as we can. So send in that feedback and uh, we'll try to read it on the air. You know what option we haven't given the listeners? No. We haven't given them the option to come to your house and talk to you in person, right? <sighs> so Chris lives at uh, 187 Lara Love Lane, uh, Toronto, Ontario. I hope that's not <laughs> so, a real address. <laughs> Lara Love? I doubt it. <laughs> Just made it up. Uh, I don't know. Someone out there is looking it up right now. <laughs> if that's a real address, please don't go there. Um, that's not where Chris lives. No, that's not where I live. You know what? If if people wanted to find out where I live bad enough, I bet you there'd be a way to do that. So, oh, yeah, the police. Please don't come to my house. Uh, I prefer email <laughs> or phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, much, much more than people showing up at my door. Right. Okay. If I want you on the show, I will invite you personally. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk about the ratings for episode two. Do you remember what last week's were? You mentioned 10.3. Yep. So, so this, this I think, week I think I said 10.8, be... but I, it may have been only 10.1. doesn't matter. It was over 10. This week, what do you think? Week? Well, I'm going to guess 8.7. Oh, pretty close. 8.2. Oh, Eight point, so a little dip, but still insane ratings for a, a brand new show. 8.2 million, and 5.2 of those people were in 18 to 49. So, you know what? It didn't even dip to 50%, which is probably would have been a, a disappointing drop in the ratings. But it would. 8.2, really, really good. And the general sentiment about this episode, I think, is that people liked it more than the first one. So I wouldn't be surprised if next week's ratings uh, go up again. Well, they're actually they're going to go down to zero next week. Well, sorry, next episode's ratings. Yeah, yeah, uh, there will be no ratings when there is no episode. Well, you can't go to zero. It's infinity, isn't it? In Which way does the limit go when there is no episode to watch? Is it uh, what do the ratings do? Do they go to the go to infinity or do they go to zero they, or do they go to undefined? They go to undefined. Be well, they don't exist, so they're not even undefined. They they are indeterminate. Indeed, maybe. <laughs> They, they do not exist. They are not a thing in this universe, <laughs> in right. this world. All right. Um, one other thing I want to mention is during the regular Walking Dead show, we often have listeners call in with recordings of them speaking the episode titles. Right. 
And I really, really like that. So if you want to read the episode titles and hear your voice on the podcast, please, please do that. Uh, record on your computer. This one was called So Close Yet So Far. So you've missed your chance here, but there's four more episodes. And yet, like we said, you have two weeks until the next one. So read the titles. I think next week's, uh, well, we'll talk about it at the end of the show, but read the title and we'll play it. It'll be fun. You can do it too if you want, Jason. Okay. What's What's it called? Uh, we'll read. We'll do next week's later. So, but read this. Read this week's title. So close, yet so far. See, that was good. That was perfect. That's a good example of the kind of thing uh, I want. Okay. So here's the description from AMC of this episode. While Madison struggles to keep Nick from crippling withdrawal, Travis ventures out to find his son before the city of Los Angeles falls. Nice. Pretty descriptive, I would say. Apt. Pretty apt. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk a little bit in general about this episode at first. Uh, you can begin if you would like. What did you think of this one and how do you think it compared to episode number one? I like this episode more than I like the pilot. Okay. I agree with the general sentiment that you had mentioned earlier. I actually like this episode more. Really? All right. Oh yeah. What about it was better? I thought, uh... I thought the dialogue was better. I thought the acting was better. I thought the um, it was a little meatier episode acting-wise for the entire cast instead of uh, just uh, the one young actor last week. Um, I Overall, I just thought everything was better. I liked the score. I liked the... Uh, uh, absolutely everything. I can't think of anything. I liked the car that was on fire. That was neat. <laughs> It's the little things, right, Jason? The, it's car, the little things. The car that was on fire, you know, the 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 zombie that got shot twice by the cop, the little things. <laughs> yeah, well, I want to talk about that zombie that got shot twice by the cop a little later. All right. Well, I I would tend to agree with you. I I, I it's hard to say if I like this episode better. I definitely liked it. Um it was different than the first one, of course. They're getting into the, you know, the first one went from sort of normal life to confusion. No one knew what was going on. This one went from confusion to panic. And I think the transition from confusion to panic is just a little bit more fascinating. Um, that being said, you know, I a little bit more of sort of everyday life, just with stuff happening in the background and little hints of what's going on, I would have been okay with too. But... They were definitely, it was definitely episode that took the next step on the progression to full zombie apocalypse. Right. Um, I felt like there was a lot more just tension in general in the episode, not amongst the characters so much this time, but just general tense feelings for us as viewers because, you know, characters are starting to figure out what's going on a little bit. And uh, yeah, overall, I think it was a pretty good, solid second episode. It, it's good. I don't. Uh, I don't think very many listeners will be familiar with the zombie scale from uh, Renerd Radio days. Oh, that's a but, long time uh, ago. <laughs> that's a long time ago. But the zombie scale goes from, uh, you know, a zombie event to a zombie situation to a zombie crisis to a full-on zombie apocalypse. So last week's episode, I think we had a few isolated zombie events. Yep. Uh, so now I think we're in a zombie situation. Right. Uh, so, yeah. And so next week, uh, or maybe over the next couple of weeks, uh, we'll have a, a a zombie crisis. But I think we're in a a zombie situation right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's a it's a situation that maybe you could still handle and and get ahead of, 
but if you don't do it right and get on top of it, you're going to be into a full-on zombie crisis, which right. is almost impossible to stop from becoming a full zombie apocalypse. Right. And, you know, and, and even before the zombie event is a, uh, what is it, what, a zombie occurrence? An incident, I think. An incident, yeah, a zombie incident, which is a very isolated thing, but those did, apparently didn't get uh, widely reported, which is why they're, you know, incidents. I'm sure the authorities knew about the zombie incidents, but then last week they started becoming events. Right. Right. So they would be, uh, now we're in a, a zombie situation, for sure. A zombie situation. You better deal with it. When you have a situation, you need to do something about it as soon as yeah. you can. You, yeah, and you can, uh, you, can, you can recover from a situation, but uh, recovering from a crisis is a, uh, a lot harder. And, and, the, and the full-on zombie apocalypse, uh, you don't recover from that. You, uh, you get through it, and you rebuild. That's right. There's no going back at that point. Yeah. Uh, okay, so there was a couple of main plot lines throughout this episode. Um, one was, of course, Travis and his mission to find his son. So we got to see his his uh, biological son, Chris, a lot more in this episode. He Chris is out, of course, trying to make his way home from school, back to his mom's place, but things don't go so well. He gets kind of stranded in the center of the city and he gets involved in this sort of uh, riot that's that's broken out and he's filming it. Well, he calls it. it a protest. Yeah, and, and I really like that. I thought it was it was great how he, you know, he didn't really realize even what was going on. He knew something bad was happening, but he, he was on the phone with his dad saying, this is a protest. I'm part of something important, right? Yeah. And yes, I guess a zombie outbreak is important, but he thought it was just like a police shooting that people were protesting and he feels that this is something he wanted to be involved in. And I really liked how they they positioned that, you know, from his perspective where he doesn't know what's going on. He kind of misinterprets everything that's happening there, not, uh, you know, not through any fault of his own. I mean, if I was in that situation and I didn't know there was some sort of like zombie situation going on. I would be like, well, someone just got shot. People are unhappy about it. And, you know, the citizens are going to rise up and do something. Yes. So I, I thought it was pretty cool how they, they positioned it that way. Um, the one thing I sort of didn't like about this bit is when Travis does get to, you know, his ex-wife's house and he's finally on the phone with his son and he's saying, I'm going to come and get you. Where are you? Where are you? She turns on the TV and turns around and goes, I know where he is. It just felt sort of too easy, right? She just turned on the TV and was like, there it is. There's the protest. That's how media can change your life. You know, you turn on, it's, uh, it's the event, you know, of the hour, all the news, uh, the news cameras are there. And, uh, you know, if I lived in LA and I was watching the news, I'd probably recognize locations. No, if there I, was a location in Toronto, and it probably said, you know, uh, civil unrest at the corner of uh, Wilshire and, uh, you know, Potluck Boulevard. <laughs> what is it? Lovelace Boulevard or something from earlier? <laughs> I don't know. Lovelace? Where I live. The address you gave for me. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I forget. Um, <laughs> no, I just mean like he's on the phone. Chris is saying, I'm at a protest. Someone's been shot. They shot a homeless guy, I think. And she turns on the TV and is like, oh, I know, he must be at that. And no, of course. I, I, that was perfectly plausible and believable to me. I don't know. I feel like there'd be a lot of stuff going on. There'd be a lot of riots. Uh, and it just, they assume the first one they see is the one where he is. But it is TV, so they have to find him. They have to find him quick. Right. Um, but what about the, the general sort of chaos in the streets that we witnessed during this whole 
uh, mission of Travis to get to his son. I thought it was pretty well done, and it seemed like things were really hitting the fan. Yeah, things uh, things get out of hand quickly, and I I think that uh, you know people like to cause shit, and when they have uh, the opportunity to cause shit, they cause shit. You know, tip over cars, you know, drive vehicles into buildings, set stuff on fire it happens it's kind of sad to say but i think that this is probably what would be happening i mean people riot when their sports team loses yeah people riot when their sports team wins (laughs) and people riot for all sorts of reasons when society is in crisis and whether, was it Stephen Yun? What uh, what media was he talking on? Was it a panel or was it that I see it on TV? When Stephen Yun, he said he was living with a bunch of guys and they were watching a football game, and uh, the team that they were uh, they were rooting for actually won the game, mm-hmm. and they were in the lo- in the uh, the area, so they thought the best way to celebrate was to take their couch outside and set it on fire. Right, people do dumb shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, uh, you know. Um, yeah, that that doesn't... I'm so excited. Let's take the couch outside and set it on fire. <laughs> that doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, <laughs> the Toronto Blue Jays seem to be in a rather good position to go deep into the baseball playoffs this year and maybe win the World Series. I hope the folks here in Toronto don't go crazy and light their couches on fire when the, if the Jays win the World Series. It was pretty uh, civil the last time. It was. I had just moved to Toronto. It was only like a couple of weeks after I had moved here when they won the World Series the second year twice in a row in the early 90s that's right and uh yeah i went downtown i went downtown. i was part of a crowd there was uh people walking up young street between king or sorry queen and dundas Mm -hmm. and there was uh you know cops on horseback and you know a hundred thousand people in that neighborhood Mm -hmm. everything was you know nothing was on fire no definitely not one one girl took her top off but that was about it (laughs) well that's that's okay i guess she can do that she's allowed it's legal here it was fine with me yeah i bet um but uh, you know that's one thing the you know baseball here in canada we're a big enough city in toronto that baseball is pretty popular it's exciting and if they win that's going to be exciting and it will be bigger this time the celebration than it was back in the 90s um but if the toronto maple leafs win the stanley cup ever which you know let's be honest (laughs) i'm not uh, i'm not all that optimistic about it can happen it's not gonna happen this year no next year it's not or the year after that but but it could happen the celebration would be just off the charts it would be of biblical proportions as they say it'd be like a flood and you know locusts would come down as much as i want that to happen just once in my lifetime i'm a little afraid of what will happen to this city if it does because you know hockey is like the biggest thing ever in you'd this set city. shit on fire if the leafs won the stanley oh Cup. i would not i would cry like a little baby i'd be so happy but i wouldn't set my couch on fire you sure you'd bring something outside and set it on fire come on oh uh, maybe <laughs> i don't know it would be quite it would be quite the thing anyways we're not here to talk about sports too much what i was going to say is that when society is in crisis or when society is dealing with something out of the ordinary or that's extraordinary it's people take that as an opportunity to take advantage of things that's why when there's an earthquake somewhere you get people looting businesses or you know when there's a a a, a zombie apocalypse people go crazy so they do or you know that's that's what happening that's what's happening here and that's the feeling i got a little bit from uh, from this show, you know, there's been an uptick in shootings, they're saying, and people are sort of using this to jump into action and not always in a positive way. And that's what we see, or that's what we kind of 
assume is happening when Travis and Chris and everybody are stuck in the barbershop trying to ride it out. Right. You know, we know outside things are just going to shit. Um, and the one thing I wanted to say about this scene is that I think it was really interesting when the the barber who was Daniel Salazar, played by Ruben Blades, um, they're talking and Travis tells the barber that they need to stay there until this blows over. And he says that the police outside are the danger because they're not letting anyone leave. And I feel like this is an important misunderstanding on Travis's part. The police may not be letting them leave, but I don't think the cops are really the danger that's outside. You know, maybe in that... Well, it might be perspective, right? Yeah. Like, there's uh, this is a uh, a powder keg, and the police are uh, reacting in a way that's only going to make it worse and not better, and therefore he blames the police. Yeah, I can see that. doesn't mean that they're they're the danger. It just means that they're, you know, a contributing factor to uh, a very dangerous situation. Right. And and I do think in the moment he could be right. Like the police may be trying to contain things and they're trying to block off streets and and get the control of the of the people. Um, So they may not be letting people leave. And he sees that as as sort of dangerous and inciting the crowd a little bit. Right. But. You know, at this point, he knows something is going on. People are are getting sick and and going crazy and and biting each other and attacking each other. Um, But he's still not really attributing sort of that as what's really dangerous outside, which I think is interesting. Okay. Um, But uh, overall, that was a pretty good plot line. I'm I'm excited to see where that goes and see how they get out of that barbershop. Hopefully in a couple of weeks, we'll get into that. Another one, of course, another plot line this episode is really what Maddie's doing. That's really the other primary one. And she's sort of twofold. She's trying to take care of her son, Nick, who's going through withdrawal from heroin. And then she goes on a mission to the school to try to get uh, some drugs to help him, you know, ease his pain and help him recover a little bit quicker. Right, right, right. What were your thoughts on the on the whole school infiltration and everything that went down there? Well, I thought it was... Uh... This is probably the weakest part for me. Hmm. And um, so it was Tobias. I don't know why he would show up to get his knife. So let me let me paint a word picture for you, Chris. Please do. All right. So you go into your kitchen, you grab a steak knife, and you go, I need this to protect myself. And you go to work with your steak knife. And uh, when you get to work, for some reason, you put your steak knife in the drawer, and you close it, and you go home at the end of the day. The next morning you go, holy shit, I need to protect myself. I better go to work and get that steak knife that I left in my drawer. Wouldn't there be another steak knife in your drawer at home that you could probably use for protection just as well as the one you forgot at work? Yeah, I guess. But um, see, I'm thinking that, I mean, how many days has, has it gone by since she took that knife from him? The next day. It's the next day. So he probably went home yep. and then got up the next morning came to school thinking, well, it's a school day. I'm going to go to school. So he was there anyways. Now, maybe he brought another knife with him. That may have made sense. But When I got home, I'd pick another knife out of the drawer and go, okay, now this is my protection. Sure, I get it. But maybe he was at the school anyway, is all I'm saying. It didn't occur to me that it made no sense for him to be there. Obviously, obviously the school was pretty deserted. Um, well, it was totally deserted. There was nobody around except for Tobias, it seemed. But maybe he just got up and went to school thinking that this is... This is a day to go to school. Now, don't He's forget. He's Cassandra, though. He he knows he knows that this is like this is the end of days. This is there's no this is not going to be over. This is it, right? 
Yeah. He knows this. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. knows he's went to the, he went to the school to get supplies. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Don't forget he went to the school to get food and supplies cuz he knows there's food there that doesn't expire till the year 3000 he said. <laughs> so do you think he has uh do you think he has another knife or two in what on his possession and he's like uh, since he sees uh, his teacher there that uh, took the original knife that he was just like, you know what? I could always use another knife. So well, can I get that knife back? It, that's kind of what it felt like to me. He was there doing something else, whether he just went to school or whether he went initially for the supplies, which makes sense. And then he got there. He happened to meet up his guy, meet up with his guidance counselor. And he even asks her, he says, can I have my knife back now after they deal with um, zombie principal, principal Artie? No, it was before. Because they used before? the knife on zombie principal. Oh, you're right. It was before. No, it was like the first thing he said. It was. It just seemed like like, and we found out afterward that he was going there to get supplies. Yeah. So it just seemed like, uh, hey, can I get my knife back? It just that was the first interaction he had with her, and it just seemed like that's why he went back to the school okay. to get his knife that he could have got from. Uh, literally a hundred places between wherever he lived and the school. Well, because he could have walked into any house. Yeah, I don't know what house doesn't have a set of steak knives or like <laughs> a bigger knife of some kind. Yeah, it was a pretty little knife. Anyway, just it seemed cheap to me. All right, I don't know. Maybe, but I think you're focusing on the wrong things when it comes to the school scene. I kind of liked it because number one, I thought. It had a kind of a good, like, horror movie feel. The school being deserted and creepy was effective for me as she gets there and she's walking through the halls. And I like it when every footstep is echoing through empty halls. You know, it's it kind of creeps you out a little bit. And then and uh, and then uh, it just it it felt good. And then there was a couple of, you know, I thought the fight with the principal was good, um, even though. I don't know. It was it was interesting how they she decided to clobber him with the uh, fire extinguisher. Yeah, which is a standard, a normal choice. Normal choice, exactly. Um, was it interesting that they didn't show her actually, you know, hitting him with it? I mean, not really. That's there pretty was, graphic. I don't think they could get away oh, with that. Oh, come on. They show that stuff on, on, on the main show all the time. But this is a fresh zombie, not a you know, decomposed uh, Nerf head zombie. That's interesting. I wonder if that has something to do with it. He's more... Well, her heads are still hard. She had to hit that guy twice with that fire extinguisher. Right. To me, it felt like they were hiding the fact that... Well, they were hiding to the audience what, the idea of whether she was hitting him in the head or not. Right? Right. So we don't really know if she was hitting him in the head or and, and starting to figure out what kills these things or what puts them down for good. Um, we don't really know if she's got that feeling now. However, we do see a shot of him still lying there at the end of the episode. Yep. So it's pretty clear that she she must have hit him in the head enough to to kill him. Um, whether Maddie's put two and two together and thinks, oh, hitting them in the head is what kills these things, I don't know. Um, I think she did. She has. That was definitely a, a learning moment for her. Well, see, opinion. I think they would have showed us, the audience, I think they would have showed her hitting him in the head with the fire extinguisher. You, There was a couple of quick shots as she was, like, hitting him off Tobias, right? But when she was at the end just slamming it down on him, we were seeing up towards her face, not what she was hitting. So I don't know. Yes. I don't know. I don't But I think it was a learning moment. I think that she is learning how to kill these things. Yeah. Uh, so that's it. She's a smart lady. Yeah. She, figures, she can figure that crap out. Now, back to Tobias. Um, I, I had an idea about Tobias and a, a listener actually wrote this in too, but I, I, it came to me while I was watching the episode. 
I think Tobias may be the Morgan of this TV show. Yeah. Because think about it. He's the guy. He knows exactly what's going on. He's there gathering food. He's talking about the first thing people do is loot pharmacies, then gun shops and so on. He says the electrical grid will fall. Cell phones will stop working. And uh, later on, when Maddie drops him off at his house, he says something like this doesn't end. I, I guess she says, you know, we'll I'll, we'll connect when this is all over and he says no, no you can stay with us until this oh, this is over that's right and he says this like, doesn't no, end. you don't get it this doesn't end <laughs> you know in a way i feel like he's the the audience conduit like he knows the stuff that we know that none of the other characters know he, they left all the food at the school by the way why would no they they did yeah you know they they got into a kerfuffle and then she drove them home and then left. There was no food involved in any of that transaction. That's... They had the cart full of food that they ran with until they ran into the principal and then just left it there. Oh, that seems so ridiculous. Why wouldn't they show them loading it in the trunk or something? I don't know. And the knife, too, I assume. They left that in the principal. So <laughs> yeah. he lost his knife, which is fine because, you know, that's what knives are for. Right. For using them and then leaving them in the chest of whomever. Right, I guess so. Uh, that's a bummer. That's all that work for nothing. But... I think Morgan, I mean, I think Tobias could be a secret badass. I think we dropped him, Maddie dropped him off at his house. We're not going to see him again for three seasons, and then suddenly he's going to reappear and kick some major ass. So he's going to be like Super Monk. He's going to have his staff plus three, and he's going to be like kicking kicking ass and taking names. Totally. Tobias is the Morgan of this show. He's coming back in a few years and going to be awesome. You think Tobias, uh, the name, is coming back? Well, I don't know, but when he does come back, he'll be Toby the Destroyer. Toby the Destroyer, that's good. Well, yeah. I'm just thinking of uh, Tobias Funke from uh, Arrested Development and now <laughs> Tobias in this show. Well, you know I'm what? I'm just wondering if there's going to be a bunch of kids uh, from this point forward <laughs> named Tobias. I don't know, man. Two shows. I'm not sure that makes a trend. <laughs> I don't know. Do you know how many people are named uh, Khaleesi after Game of Thrones? Uh, Even though it means queen and it's not actually a name. But look up the stats on how many kids are named Khaleesi now. I don't want to do that. It'll just make me upset. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. People name kids after TV shows. All right. Um, that's amazing. Don't do not do that. I mean, do it, I guess, well, if you Tobias want to. Tobias is a good name. Oh, Tobias is a fine name. It's Toby. Funny. Khaleesi, I don't know, not a name. Khaleesi's not bad. Not really. Uh, let's talk Cersei about- Cersei would be bad. Cersei, yeah. That's not a name you want to be associated with. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, let's talk about Alicia. How about we talk okay. about Alicia? Sure, sure. She had a pretty good arc this episode. I, in fact, I thought she was really good this episode. And one of the thing that things that has struck me about both these episodes, the first and the second one, is the kids. The kid, the young actors playing the kids are great. They are. They really are. I was a little worried about that going in because Frank Delane has not been in much. Alicia Debnam Carey has not been in much. Now... That doesn't mean they're not going to be good, but I hadn't really seen them in anything. And sometimes when you get inexperienced actors, you, you don't know what you're going to get all the time. And I think both of them have been fantastic in these two episodes. And I think the first one was Frank's turn to shine, and this one was more Alicia's. Yeah, Alicia, I thought she did a, uh, it was a, a much bigger role in this episode than the last uh, the last episode, but uh, this one was, was much better. Sadly, I think Alicia's probably the first character who's going to die on this show, the first Oh, main... I hope not. She's smart. The first She knows exactly character. what's going on. She was, uh, she was talking about uh, what, you know, what her brother needs in order to get through this. And he's like, no, you can't just. You can't just go cold turkey. It could kill him. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after after her mom got back, he said, he went all grand mall on me, which I thought was the best line in the whole show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, faked or not, 
which is a point I wanted to talk about. But, uh, you know, I thought, no, I don't think she's going to die. I, I don't know. I think if I'm predicting uh, main character deaths, I think Alicia might be the one who doesn't survive. The one. If there's one, it's going to be her who doesn't survive this first okay. season. Cliff Curtis. Cliff Curtis? Cliff Curtis. I think Travis is dead. I think he's dead meat. I think he's going to be the hero, and he's going to save everybody, but he's going to die. Yeah, you could be right about that. He'll go out a hero for sure. But what about- He's going to save people with that awesome truck of his is what's going to happen, because that truck is freaking a character in amongst itself. I did love how they pulled up to the house after, and there was the blood splatter on it from running over Cal in the previous episode. Yeah. And it was this perfect, like, right dead center- like hood ornament of a blood splatter. It was amazing. And then he washed it off. He took the time to wash his truck. <laughs> I know that's I think true. It's great. <laughs> that's good. If you, I had that truck, I'd wash that. I'd wash the blood off. You could that is be, an awesome you truck. You could be right. Uh, Cliff could be the one to go if he goes out as a hero, like saving his family or something like that. Um, but what about Kim Dickens? I mean, she's a big name actress, and she's no, she's sticking around. She's the uh, she she's the Rick. No, I think Frank. I mean, I think uh, Nick might be the Rick. You think Nick is the Rick? First of all, their names rhyme. <laughs> no, I, I think uh, Kim Dickens Madison is uh, is is the Rick. Don't you think that a big name actress might be like, okay, I'll go on your show, but I got movies to do and I got all kinds of demands. I'm only going to do one season. Like what? And and I and this is not my original idea. I did hear Jason on the Walking Dead cast talk say this, and I think he might be right that that you know maybe Kim Dickens is got a big career ahead of her and she doesn't want to get locked down into a TV show for, you know, five, six, seven seasons. She might have, her her deal might be like, okay, I'll sign on, but I only want to do one season. No. I'm looking at her IMDb stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, she is, uh, she's very much a, a that guy actor, pardon the gender specific term. Right. But uh, no, I don't think she's, like, she doesn't headline anything. Like, this is her first uh you know, this is the first opportunity she's had to be a principal cast member in anything. Anything? Are you sure? I don't know. Maybe she was in House of Cards. Sure, she was in uh, Sons of Anarchy. Sure, but these are all like she wasn't the main character no. in. I, she was in Lost, but not the main character. She was in Treme, but not the main character. Friday Night Lights, but not the main character. She was in Deadwood, not the main character. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the first time she's got the spotlight. She is the main character. Okay, this would that would be a big draw. For someone, it's like, yeah, you know, TV these days draws big names. And if you can be the principal uh, actor on a, you know, big television show, and this is a big television show based on the ratings of the first two episodes, I think this is a big step forward for her. I think she would, she would, uh, she would be smart if she would stick it out for a long time. Well, I do hope you're right because, you know, having a, a female lead, would be fantastic as like the hero protagonist of the show. Not that that's never happened before, but we have the first Walking Dead show with Rick. He's really the main yeah. lead. This one, she's uh, the female Rick. No, I don't even want to say that because who knows what she'll be like in the end. I she might she's not the, be anything the, like Rick. I think she's the principal badass. Yeah. Even though she's not the principal, she's the guidance counselor. <laughs> but uh, I think in order for her to achieve her full, full badassery, uh, her boyfriend's got to die. Mm, that's a bummer. I don't want to see Cliff go, but you know what? You've convinced me. I think maybe Cliff Curtis is the man. He's he's not gonna he's not gonna make it. I but don't think he's gonna survive the, at, the season. At least he'll go out in a in heroic fashion. We can we can hope for that, anyways. 
Yeah. All right. Back to uh, Alicia, though. I was saying I thought she did a great job. The cold open with her going to find Matt, I thought was fun. You know, having her go in the house, you don't know what's going on. I genuinely didn't know if Matt was a zombie or not when she when she sees him and you don't see him and we just hear him make a groaning noise. I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome where he's either going to be a zombie and he's going to turn around and she's going to have to escape out of there, which should be exciting or... Well, it didn't even occur to me that maybe he was sick. I I sort of thought, this guy's a zombie, and look what's happening. She's going to be so upset. So I did like the cold open. Um, And uh, when they do find out that he's just sick, and they go over to get her, and I I thought her scenes with Matt in the bed were actually pretty touching and pretty good. I thought it was really believable how she didn't want to leave him. Um, and, and sometimes this goes back to what I was saying about this being like really her chance to shine in this episode. She did a great job with these scenes because I feel like sometimes teenagers can be kind of, you know, overly dramatic or cliche in moments yep. like this. But she did a really good job. She was kind of restrained. And I mean, he was good too. the actor who plays Matt, whose name uh, is Maestro Harrell or Maestro Harrell. It's a great name. Um, it is. Uh, I thought they were both really good, but really Alicia being the main character really stood out for me. So I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. The the only problem I had with this, uh, with that whole scene is that she left willingly. If I was a teenage girl and my, uh, my boyfriend that I was absolutely head over heels in love with was sick, as far as I was concerned, and I didn't know what was going on zombie wise, there's not a chance in hell that I would leave. Mm, yeah, maybe, 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 but you know I what? I think a little more force would have been, uh required would have been appropriate <laughs> yeah just you know you know and i might be completely generalizing teenage girls 17 year old girls in their stubbornness to defy their parents and to do whatever <laughs> they need to do in order to stay with their boyfriends i don't know i'll tell you in 10 years <laughs> yeah you let me know <laughs> yeah um you know you you, you sit you, you sit your daughters down when they're 17 years old and you say okay if your boyfriend was sick uh and all hell was breaking loose and it was the zombie apocalypse, would you allow me to drag you away or to talk you into leaving him? Because there was no dragging away. It was all just, uh, you know what? You should leave him. My parents are going to be home soon. You can go. Everything's fine. There's no yeah. way. You know I, what? I disbelieve that. I don't know. I thought it was okay. What added to it for me, and, and this may have not have really come up in this scene, but there was a kind of a... A struggle for her between, you know, staying with the boyfriend and making sure he's okay, but also helping her brother, who that was that was a bit of con- conflict for her. She wanted to do both, right? And yeah. and so she was with the boyfriend. She came back to help the brother. Later on, tried to go back to the boyfriend, but couldn't because Nick had some sort of you know incident on the floor there, and she it had was to- a seizure. And uh, that's actually this is the point I wanted to bring up. Was that seizure? faked in order to keep her there okay well let's get to that in a second because that is an interesting that is definitely an interesting question that i don't know if i have the answer for um one last thing about alicia's scene with with uh with matt in the bed though this is where um travis goes over to talk to him he kind of pulls his shirt back a little bit and he sees that uh matt's got a bite on his shoulder and big old bite yeah, and so this is a scene where they first start to realize that maybe a bite is what causes people to get sick. And and Maddie even says it, is that what causes this or is that how this spreads or something? Yeah. So throughout this episode, they were doing little things like that where they were just seeding in little bits of hints here and there that 
at some point the characters are going to all put them together and be like, all right, this is a complete picture of what's going on. So um, I do think that was really clever and a good way to do it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, all right, Nick's rehab. Alicia was great during these scenes too, but if we're going to talk about the rehab, the first thing I was wondering is in general, and I don't know, maybe, uh, um, who was it that wrote in earlier? Brittany can fill us in on this. But in general, how realistic was this rehab and or or not rehab? This um, withdrawal. withdrawal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how realistic was this? I mean, he at the beginning of the episode he's pre withdrawal. Then he gets into it full on, and by the end, it kind of seems like he's through it. And it hasn't been that much time in my opinion now maybe he's not completely done but does it did it it felt to me like it was a little too easy well i think it's it it goes up and down like i don't think it's a matter of uh you're fine and then you're sick and then you have a seizure and then you're fine again i think it's a uh like any uh not any illness but I get the impression that it's a, you feel really, really crappy and then you feel a little bit better and then you feel really, really crappy again and then you feel a little bit better. It kind of comes in waves. Yeah. Is what I was thinking. And I don't think he was fine until he got sick. I think he's, uh, you know, ever since he got out of the hospital or even ever since he got into the hospital, he's been kind of uh, in a bad way. Mm-hmm. And then this was, uh, you know, he could really feel it coming on and he said, uh, said to his mom, you know, this is going to be a world of shit or some phrase like that. Yeah, yeah. Or, but, uh, you know, it's going to be a very bad time in a very short time. Yep. Uh, so, and, but now that he has his, uh, what did she get him? What drug did she get him? Oxycodone? Oxycontin, I think. And, uh. Or Oxy, what, they just called it. Yeah, it could be Oxycodone or Oxycontin. I don't know. Contin? 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 Oxycontin? I, I'm not sure. I don't know my my drugs very well. <laughs> I don't know my oxys. Yeah. Uh, so whatever. So he, he'll, uh, that'll help. But uh, I think, I don't think it's over. I don't think it's over by any stretch of the imagination. Well, I hope I it's not think over. It's, uh, it's just kind of a lull. Yeah. Not that I'm looking for him to suffer more, but like, I don't want it to be too easy. I mean, this has got to be something that he struggles with and it's got to be something that makes it harder for them to do what they want to do and survive through this the next few days at least right um i don't you've seen train spotting right oh not for a long time but i have yeah yeah when uh when ewan mcgregor was uh detoxing that was uh that was a bad time that was a couple of days right yeah he went into his room and he saw the baby on the roof kind of thing yeah it was nasty i didn't like train spotting the first time i saw it but i do love danny boyle generally as a director so i i've kind of for a long time wanted to go back and rewatch that but i haven't got around to it Shallow Grave was great. Oh, yeah. Oh, the opening grave. sequence of Shallow Grave was like some of my favorite opening sequences. Wait, wait a minute. Was that Danny Boyle or was that Ewan McGregor or both? Uh, it was Danny Boyle and Ewan McGregor. I okay. think so. All right. Pretty sure it was Danny Boyle. Either way, I like both those guys. And uh, yeah, train spotting, for all I know, is a fairly accurate depiction of withdrawal and recovering from drug addiction. But again, I don't really know these things. But I was just like, when Maddie got back from the school with the meds, you know, she's, uh, Nick sort of pops up and he's like, oh, I'm feeling a lot better, you know, and he hadn't had the medicine at this point yet, I don't think. So um, it just felt a little easy and I hope they don't gloss over it too much because that should be a real crutch that he has to deal with for a long time. Absolutely. Look at uh, Charlie from Lost. That's right. 
That was tough. It was tough, exactly. It needs to and be he tough. He made some hard choices for those drugs. Right. Like even later on, he did some nasty stuff just because just at the concept of getting more drugs. All right. So the seizure. So Alicia's about to she's walking out, she's outside, she's going going back to see Matt, and Nick is trying to tell her not to go, and then he has some sort of seizure. Uh and he vomits, like again. Yep. Um, and so she has to come in and she's saying things like, not now, you son of a bitch, don't do this now. So, you know, I didn't think it was faked because it's got to be difficult to fake that kind of thing convincingly, especially with someone who's a family member who would really recognize, you know, the signs and recognize what it is. If if you've never experienced that sort of thing before, you don't have any expectations, and maybe someone might be able to get a fake seizure past you. Uh, I don't know, but I didn't think at the time it was faked. Except then later in the episode, when Maddie's back, he sort of he tells her Alicia yeah. was going to leave, and I kept her here. Or what does I he say? I stopped her. I stopped she, her. She wanted. She was trying to leave, but I stopped her. Right, which makes me think it was faked. But how easy is it to make yourself vomit like that and? Uh, well, that's that's the thing is I don't know which one is true. Did he do it on purpose to stop her, or did he have a ground mal seizure with vomiting straight up in the air and almost choking yeah. to death? I think that would be very hard to fake. Actually, so I'm not sure. Making yourself vomit's probably not that hard. I mean, fingers down from, your throat. From just a, well, if you're feeling sick anyway, right? Yeah. Like you know, most of the time I spend uh, sick is trying not to vomit. Right. You know? Exactly. <laughs> it's like uh it's like Bruce Banner and the Hulk in uh, the Avengers movie. She's like, All right, do you know, do you need to get mad in order to become the Hulk?" It's like, "Here's the secret. I'm always angry." He just turns into the Hulk. Like it's not that he needs to uh think about anything to turn into the Hulk. It's that he spends his whole life trying not to. Right. So, uh when you're that sick, you know, you're trying not to throw up. So, throwing up is just a matter of stop trying to not throw up. Got it. Uh, maybe, maybe that's it. Uh, but, and, but I mean, and if he did fake it, Nick's intentions were good because he knows that Matt is not in good shape. Matt's probably dead now and wandering around his house looking for someone to eat. And he doesn't want his sister to go get, get involved in that. And a, uh, uh, a full on drug addict is a master manipulator. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess he may, I guess he is. He can control his gag reflex and everything else so yeah. uh i don't know i'm i'm kind of on the fence of yeah it was fake now because he didn't want her to leave but at first when i saw it i didn't think so right so that's kind of it um overall though uh you know the rehab despite being a little too easy not rehab the withdrawal I keep calling it rehab the withdrawal was felt a little too easy and as i said i just hope they don't gloss over it in, in future episodes um Okay, that's uh, that's most of the notes I had. Oh, the the relationship between Alicia and and Nick in this episode I thought was much more normal. There was none of the nobody was feeding each other or right. cuddling up to each other or you know doing stuff like that. So uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it was there was no more sexual tension. It was much more normal brother and sister in my opinion. Like she comes in when he's first going into the withdrawal and she says hang in there big brother like that's it felt very natural to me you know she's yeah. close to him and that's the kind of thing you know a close brother and sister would might say to each other um 
And the fact that she was going to leave because her boyfriend is more important to her sort of harkens back to what you were saying, that she really wants to be with the boyfriend over her brother. I mean, that kind of makes sense to me. And uh, later on in the episode, she says, I hate you, but you could tell she doesn't really mean it. Right. That's what 17-year-old girls say to family members. Exactly. So (laughs) the whole relationship, I thought they fixed it in this episode. It was weird in episode one, but it was really normal kind of in this one. Right. Um, And then... The idea that they had of leaving for the desert, I didn't love this. I felt like they came to this conclusion to flee and run away awfully quick. Really? Yeah. That's what you do, you know? Civil unrest, uh, the shit is hitting the fan. Uh, I don't think the the world is going to recover from this in the very near future, so uh, get the fuck out. Go to get, head for the desert. That's what you do in California. Head for the, for us, we'd go to head to the bush. Yeah, you know, I don't get into the bush. I don't know if I would. I I don't know. I might be more inclined to like stay in my house. Like you know, stay in well, your, your house. house where you you're live safe. in Canada. Your house is pretty much in the bush anyway. <laughs> perpetuate stereotypes like that (laughs) i just finished saying earlier toronto's a massive city there's 20 million people of us or whatever well i know i'm thinking of southern ontario six million people (laughs) ah fine six million (laughs) there's a lot of us is all i'm saying um we're big enough to have a world-class baseball team people uh anyways i don't know it's like they gotta know that I mean, they know traffic jams or roads are jammed up everywhere. They can't seem to drive anywhere. And the first thing we want to do is like get out of the city to the desert. I mean, it kind of makes sense. But to me, it just they got there too soon. Like maybe if it was in episode three after panic has gone to the next stage. What's the next stage after panic? Well, there's uh, it's a zombie crisis. Right. So next next week, it's going to be a zombie, or in two weeks, it's going to be a zombie crisis. Maybe that's when you start thinking, maybe we should run away and get away from this. Right now, no, well, I was it, like, it it's, depends. A, it's a bit early. It, Come on. I don't know. A lot of people are thinking about how the hell to get the F out of Dodge right now. And there's nothing going wrong. <laughs> that's huge right now. I'm going to sell my house, buy a farm, and live the good life. No, they got a, they got a bag packed. It's sitting in the closet by the front door, and they've got a in the in the top of the bag is a map showing exactly where they're going to go to and how they're going to get there, and that go to location is their bug out location. Hmm. It's like it's planned, it's pre planned. So I don't think in this day and age that somebody thinking, "Holy crap, the shit is about to hit the fan. I better get the hell out of here." All right, maybe my problem was just that this show takes place in the city, and I don't want them to flee the city this early. Right? right, I don't want to see them in the desert with oh, no way around. Oh, they're not getting out. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, going to the desert is a grand and wonderful plan and everything, but they're in the middle of Los Angeles. They're not going anywhere for a while. It's not going to happen, and I hope it doesn't. So why even bring it up? Is all I'm saying. Like you got to drive there. for like six hours to get to the desert. <laughs> I know that's not true, but dude, it's a long way. Figure out how to survive where you are. Don't always run away. That's just that's all. Well, that's not necessarily always the plan. No, the best, I know. The best plan. I know. I live about. Uh, five kilometers from a nuclear power plant. You know, if that thing starts blaring, I'm getting the F out of Dodge, and I'm not going to plan for hunkering down in my basement. Eh, that's a little different. And frankly, if that thing starts melting down, you're not getting out fast enough. Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah. I doubt it anyway. They're decommissioning that thing in 2020, so uh, oh, that'll be good. Are they replacing it with something else? I don't know. <laughs> All right, you should find not out. Around, not around here, I hope. <laughs> All right, right in your backyard. Yeah. Um, one couple more things. I thought the the cop, when uh, Travis takes a shortcut through the gas station, he mm-hmm. sees that cop who's hoarding water in his trunk. 
Yep. I thought that was an interesting scene. It made me think that maybe the authorities know something that they're not telling people. They sure do. That was car number 13. Uh, why is that important? Because 13's an unlucky number, my friend. It is, but that guy has all the water, so he may be feeling like he's pretty lucky. I don't yeah, know. He can get all the water in the world and still get uh, shot in the head by your partner because he thinks you're a zombie. <laughs> True, or or because you have all the water and he wants some. Right. Um, but I, I was and just There's a like, water crisis in California right now, so... Oh, huge. Uh, you know, hoarding water is uh, probably a good idea. I guess, in the zombie apocalypse, I just think it was interesting that they chose to really focus the camera on it, so it just made me think... That the cop, authorities know something. That cop knows something, and uh, they're not telling everybody the whole story. We'll find out if that goes anywhere. Um, and then, uh, let's see, what else? What uh, The um, people talking to each other. I feel like this episode did an okay job with it. No, they did not. It did. They absolutely did not. They did. What's her name? The daughter still doesn't know what the frig is going on. Nobody's told her anything. Yes. You can't go outside. You can't stay with your boyfriend. Uh, you know, all this all this stuff. You know, the dead are coming alive and you can't kill them because they're already dead. All right. But what about when Liza, who is Travis's ex-wife, he's look, Travis is looking out the window of the barber shop and he, she straight up asks him what he knows. And his answer is, I've seen what people do, what they don't do. It doesn't make sense. They don't die, Liza. They come back. We have to get far away from what's outside. That's pretty straightforward. Okay, that's pretty good. You know? And uh, I'll give you Alicia. I mean, she kind of asks her mom a few times at the end what's going on. But, I mean, Maddie's traumatized. She's just not ready to talk yet. I think it will come out. I just think it hasn't yeah. yet. So. Yeah. So, okay. So, there's there's good and bad with communication. There's There was good points, but then there was bad points. Just like. Friggin' tell her. I'm, tell her, you know, you can't go and save the lady in the in deflated bouncy castle because he's dead already, and uh, chances are she's probably dead too, and you can't save her. It's more important for you to stay, uh, you know, stay safe in here. Yeah. And stop shining your friggin' flashlight outside for crying out <laughs> you're loud. Just so, you're just, you know, <laughs> letting people know we're sitting right here. <laughs> yeah. um, all I mean is it may not be exactly perfect, and it may not be 100% realistic, the way they're talking to each other, but I felt like it was pretty good for a TV show. You know, right. when they didn't talk, you could explain it in a certain way. And when they did talk, it sort of made sense, you know? So I guess I'm kind of on the fence about it a little bit, but overall, I'm not too disappointed with the lack of communication. And right. if it, it could go one way, it could get worse and it could get better, but we'll see. I don't know. Um, we will uh, we will see how it goes. All will become clear in the fullness of time. In the fullness of time. Anything about this else about this episode that you wanted to bring up before we move on? Only one one small thing, and it's it's well, it's not really nitpicking. I just found it interesting more than anything else. When the uh, the girl that got shot by the uh, the cop twice, once in the uh, in the chest and then once in the head, mm-hmm. and then she fell to her knees. And when people fall to their knees. Uh, my brain cries out in pain because I have bad knees. And if I had to fall to my knees, it would be excruciating. So whenever people do it on TV, I always think, man, I hope they have knee pads on. And then when she <laughs> rolled over and under her uh, her dress, you could see that the uh, there was knee pads on her knees uh, sticking out from, uh, you know, making impressions on her uh, her skirt that was uh, when she fell over. Really? Yeah. That's fun. That's 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 an interesting observation you make there. 
Yeah, well, it's just because my knees are bad, and I always look for that kind of thing when people, you know, obviously hurt their knees. Right. Well, I uh, that's that's interesting, and that brings me brings up another point. Is of course during the main Walking Dead show, we do the "Holy crap, did you see that?" segment. Yep. And there's nothing stopping us from doing that for this show too, but nobody seems to want to send them in. Um, I mean, there's one or two little oh, ones here. Oh, you haven't mentioned it. You no, I know I haven't. For this. I know I haven't, but I'm doing that now. So uh, if you want to like call out little bits you see that other people might not notice or anything you notice in any episode that you think is really awesome, really cool, really scary, really gory, just anything, even even filming mistakes. Sometimes we look for those sorts of things, like knee pads. Not that that's, that's not a, a filming mistake. I know it's not a mistake, but it's a... It's one of those sort of behind-the-scenes things that you're not supposed to notice, right? Right. Um, that kind of stuff. If you want to do that, send them in, and we will start doing uh, a Holy Crap segment for Fear the Walking Dead. And, of course, we'll continue doing it for uh, the main show when it comes back in October. So um, that's it. All right, this was a pretty good episode. I think uh, I think it was a great progression from episode one to episode two, and I'm looking forward to uh, the third one in a couple of weeks and see if we get to full-on zombie uh, crisis. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Pretty sure we will, yeah, and where it goes from there. All right, we will take a very short break, and uh, when we come back, we'll do a little bit more listener feedback for this episode. Stay with us. Lisa likes Brandy and the way it hits her lips. She's a rock and roll survivor with pendulum hips. She's got deep brown eyes that have seen it all. Working at a nightclub that was called the Avenue. The barman used to call a little Lisa Looney Chin. She went down on almost anyone. From the hard time living till the Chelsea days From when I have a sweet blonde till the day I turn gray She said L-I-F-E-G-O-E-S-O-N You got more than money and sense, my friends You got heart And you're going your own way L-I-F-E-G-O-E-S-O-N What you don't have now will come back again You got heart And you're going Talking Dead this week is brought to you by you, the fine listeners that join us every week. If you want to help out support the show, please visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon and click on the Amazon link of your choice. What happens then is when you make your purchases at Amazon, a very small percentage comes back our way and uh, all that money goes back into paying for everything that it takes to put on this podcast. Hosting, recording equipment, all that kind of stuff. So please visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon to help us out in that way. You can also support us by visiting us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash TheTalkingDead. At Patreon, you can make a small monthly pledge uh, towards the show, and uh, it also goes all towards putting putting it on, putting on the podcast. And... You know, there's a few different levels of support you can go for there. Uh, at the higher end, there's some perks or uh, rewards you can get, like original art by friend of the show Dave, on uh, zombie art on the back of a postcard. It's really, really cool stuff. So please visit patreon.com slash thetalkingdead. We thank everyone so much for all your support. I pay a high Oh, we 
S-O-N Got more than money and sense, my friend You got heart And you're going your own way L-I-F-E-G-O-E-S-O-N What you don't have now will come back again You got heart And you're going your own way Listener feedback. All right, everyone. Thanks for sticking with us. It's time for a quick bit of listener feedback about this episode, uh, Fear the Walking Dead episode number two. And uh, Jason, you're going to start us off. Sure. First, we have Mark in Sydney, Australia. I feel Fear the Walking Dead after the second episode may destroy the franchise. Oh, my gosh. Too many stereotypes and just too much melodrama in a crowded TV scape. The overacting and the fact no one has watched any survival movies or shows before uh, before became boring just way too quickly. Okay, I want to question that. Is it fair to judge a show on sort of a real-world idea in that, you know, if this really happened, people would know what to do because we've seen a million survival shows or movies or zombie movies or end of the world movies or whatever and by now people have an idea of how to handle it is that fair went to inject that into a fictional universe like the walking dead yeah it's fair Everybody's no it's fair. i don't he, think he can it's have, fair. you know mark can have whatever opinion he wants he, he and it's completely valid and fair I think it's fair to inject that in. If he wants to inject that in, inject it in. You know, he can he can judge it on whatever uh, criteria he feels necessary. I agree with that. He's allowed to do this, and uh, he can do whatever he wants. But I'm not so sure that saying that this show is going to destroy the franchise because nobody knows how to survive. Maybe that's just a, the nature of this world, that, you know, they don't have shows like Survivor Man or movies like apocalypse movies or or survivor man you watch that i've seen survivor man it's about surviving in the bush right yeah it's about that that guy who goes and survives in the bush exactly i've i've seen it a little bit uh i've also watched what's it naked and afraid where they put two people in the forest and they're naked and they have to survive i can't watch that one it's survivor man i've seen naked and afraid i can't i can't do it there's another one called alone Uh which is done on uh, vancouver island they oh. just put some people in the bush by themselves, and uh, pretty much every one of them has to fend off a bear. <laughs> they put them in Victoria and see if they can survive by themselves. <laughs> what? No, well, I don't think it's actually in Victoria, but there's bears. I know. I'm Bears come I'm, by, and they sniff in all kinds of stuff, and they're like, all they got is this frigging tent, and they're like, oh my God, there's a bear outside the tent. I'm ripping on Victoria. <laughs> you should. <laughs> it's a beautiful city. I've been there. It's very nice. Have you? I've never been. I've always wanted to go. It's very nice. Um, anyways, all I'm saying is like, that's just the way it is in this universe. Or you have to just go with the fact that you happen to be following characters who don't know what to do. We have Tobias. He seems to know what to do, kind of. And, you know, we've got other characters who, in the other show, who've learned how to handle things. And some started in a better place than others. But, um I don't know if it's fair to say that these people, this is this is no good because these people haven't watched TV shows and figured out what to do in this situation. Now, criticizing the melodrama of the writing and overacting, all that, very fair, because those are, you know, critiques of, of a TV show. But I don't know about saying that their reactions are, uh, aren't realistic is, is fair. 
The only thing I disagree with uh, with Mark on is uh, I don't think that this, regardless of uh, whether his other statements are true or not, I don't think it will destroy the franchise. Like it's, you know, what he's saying is that this show is so bad that it's going to get the other show canceled. Yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> and then the uh, and then the comic book will die after that because everybody will be so mad. I and mean, the- there there might be a tipping point where the the Walking Dead just kind of gets too far, and we've talked about that tipping point before. Oh yeah. Uh, all the merchandise and the books and uh, now a couple of TV shows and uh, you know, there's no movies yet, but there damn well is going to be a movie. I can guarantee it. Well, there is going to be something. I posted this on our Facebook page earlier this week. I don't know. I know you don't go on Facebook and you may have not have heard, may not have heard this news, but face what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, on the, the face tweets and the tweet book or whatever. Well, the facey pages, right. right. Um, they are going to do a standalone, I don't know if it's half hour or hour long, um, Walking Dead TV movie, and it's going to be zombies on a plane. I'm not, I'm not joking. I am not. Is that why they keep showing plane shots in this show? They have shown Like, there's like four of them in this show. I know. The first episode we had, like, beginning and end, and this episode we had, we saw planes flying over as well. They can't do zombies on a plane, please. They are going to do a standalone episode of a zombie outbreak on board a plane, and one of the characters from that episode will be joining the cast of Fear the Walking Dead. So... We now have the main show, the companion show, and at least one standalone um, TV movie that will tie into the companion show. Okay. So it's not going to be called Zombies on a Plane, though, because... No, probably not. Probably not. Uh, I mean, they did that with, uh, what was it, Z Nation? Z Nation? Yeah. No, they did. I don't know. I only watched the first two episodes. No, the, uh, the movie with Brad Pitt. World War Z. World War Z. They did that. They had, you know, they were on the plane. They mm-hmm. they escaped Tel Aviv or mm-hmm. wherever they were, and they got on a plane, and then all of a sudden there was a zombie break breakout on the plane. Yep. So they, you know, it seems like it, it's by definition a bottle episode, uh, except the only difference is that it doesn't take place in a bottle; it takes place in a can, right? A flying tin can. <laughs> a flying tin can. Uh, so you know that would it's an interesting concept, and I'm surprised that nobody's made a movie about that, like a specific movie. You call it Zombies on a Plane, or if uh, look it up. <laughs> anyway. It's, it's being done. It just, it seems, maybe zombies on a boat. It was called Flight of the Living Dead. Oh, that's a good title. See? Actually. <laughs> it's being done. All I'm, my point is just that though, The Walking Dead is doing this. So if we're worried about saturation point or, you know, oversaturating the market, they don't seem to be worried about it because they're going to do this and add to the TV universe. Man, has nobody ever learned from Spice Girls? Uh, Spice Girls were everywhere and they were beloved by millions and millions and millions of people until one day it was just too much and then all of a sudden everybody hated them and they were gone. Yeah. Well, I don't want that to happen with The Walking Dead because I like The Walking Dead and if if all of a sudden everyone hates it and it's gone, you and I are out of a job (laughs) that we don't get paid to do and have a lot of fun (laughs) doing anyway. So, Yeah. (laughs) um, yeah, it's... It's a thing. It's happening. Um, it's, you know, Mark, back to Mark's email, he said, this is a crowded TV scape, and it's just going to get more crowded. 
I, I, yeah, Mark, I don't think it's going to destroy the franchise. If this show gets canceled, even if it's in a worst-case scenario, this show turns out to be a big steaming pile of crap and it gets canceled, it's not going to destroy the franchise. No, at the very least, they'll scale back and you'll you'll just have the comics to uh, to keep you going with. So No, the TV show's to Walking Dead. No, I, yeah, okay. Walking Dead TV show's going on. forever at yeah. this point. All right, Steve from Port Matilda, Pennsylvania writes... Did you guys notice the snake terrarium in Matt's house? The light was on, but the top was off and it was empty. I was sure Alicia was going to see Matt eating the snake when she went around the corner. <laughs> I thought it was a lizard terrarium myself. Um, I was like, lizards! Well, he could <laughs> eat lizards too. Any. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. I mean, did that snake get out? Why would they make a point of showing that without the lid on? I don't know, because uh, it, it, you know, the door was open, the lamp was knocked over, and the lid was off the terrarium. You know something bad's going to happen when your terrarium lid yeah, falls just, off. Yeah, it's just, you know, something happened. There was a kerfuffle, and shit got knocked over, and I guess the snake got loose. Yeah. Well, the snake's probably long gone, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's hiding someplace. It, it is. You know, Even this... though the terrarium would be the best place for it, because it's got that nice warm light and a big flat rock. That sounds like a lovely place for a snake. That's what snakes love, man. This reminds me, too, I wanted to mention that I think it's hilarious that uh, Nick... I don't know why the snake reminded me of this, but Nick is now at home. He's going through withdrawal, and he still hasn't bothered to take the old man's clothes off. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no, it's like the first thing we, he would do, at least the first thing I would do when I get home is like, I'm going to change. Maybe put on some comfy pants. Maybe put on my own t-shirt. No, he's going to leave those clothes on, including the shoes, <laughs> yep. and just lie down on the couch and go through withdrawal. So I thought that was that, I thought that was more weird than why the terrarium was empty and the snake was gone. I thought it was kind of funny. Well, it was funny, but weird. Yeah. Definitely weird. You're up. Uh, all right. So, Sean, on the internet, did anyone else notice the mom is also a junkie? She clearly alluded to it in the pilot and even seemed completely unsurprised by Nick's actions. The scene in the bathroom uh, with the collected drugs from the school confirms it. Wow. Kind of shocked me, but I guess they wanted her to be interesting. I'm not sure I took this that as far as Sean has here we knew we do know she said in the pilot that you know his drug use is in his genes so it comes from somewhere in his family uh or he just keeps his heroin in his back pocket I don't know um but uh I I'm not so sure she's the one who was the drug addict now if we never meet his father um maybe it is her and maybe that makes her a little bit more interesting I don't know um, but the scene in the bathroom, uh, she breaks down when she's trying to clean blood off her clothes. But yeah, to that's me, from killing the principal, right? And and to me, that was because she had to kill her friend, the principal. And all of this is getting to her a little bit, and she's you know breaking down emotionally a little bit. I'm not so sure she sort of looked at the drugs in her hands and was like, "This is all my fault. I was a junkie, and now my son is a junkie." I didn't. I didn't go there. Right. I I didn't quite get there either, but. Uh... Uh, I kind of think she is a junkie, though. Yeah, I you know, mean, I don't necessarily agree agree with the evidence, evidence, but I agree with the uh, with the sentiment. Yeah, I think it could come out slowly as the series goes on, for sure. Um, but I don't think we've seen enough to really put put it all together quite yet. But uh, thank you, Sean, for writing in. Next is um, Adam in Austin, Texas. So wow, I dig this episode. 
But is it just me, or does L.A. feel really, really empty already? We get shots of crowded highways and the occasional faux traffic jam, but the street shots seem to be really lacking. And I think what Adam is referring to is like, you know, when we're in the sort of more residential areas where Alicia's walking down the street on the way to Matt's house, or when we see cars pulling up into driveways, there's never anybody around. Um, But that doesn't strike me as that odd. I think, you know, as people sort of figure out that something bad is going on, if they're not fleeing to the desert, they'd probably be hiding in their houses. Right. And... And even the radio said, uh, stay home. If you don't have to travel, don't travel. Yeah, don't go out. Stay home. Um, Now, on the other side of that is the fact that the neighbors across the street are still trying to have a bouncy castle birthday party. (laughs) That was an excellent bouncy castle, by the way, with the crayons. It was a nice one. That that was really nice. I was really, uh, really happy with that. It's a Crayola product placement, which I didn't mind at all. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it would be. I didn't uh, really consider that, but, uh, you know... Crayola in a zombie television show? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Exactly. It worked on me. I was very happy with the bouncy castle. <laughs> you ran out and bought some Crayola I bought crayons today. I think that just shows, though, that word isn't getting around as fast as, as you might think, or people aren't taking it seriously yet. Um, so, you know, I mean, maybe there would be more people out and about, but in general, I think people are probably hiding in their houses and it's okay. And then the scenes we saw, like, of the riots in the downtown and when Travis is stuck in traffic and stuff, I don't know. It it felt like it was enough for me to sort of indicate that the city was kind of crowded or at least in a state of disarray. Yeah, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was fine. It was definitely in a state of disarray, people trying to get the hell out. And I noticed that, uh, you know, in The Walking Dead, uh, you know, the traffic jam was on one side of the highway as everybody was trying to get out of town. Oh, that's right. Whereas uh, in L.A., our, yeah, in L.A., the traffic jam was on both sides. It's like, oh, my God, we got to get out of town. But all the rest, the other half of the population is like, oh, my God, we got to get out of town the other way. Well, L.A. is so big, you can go either direction and you're leaving town or entering town or whatever. Yeah, just you know? don't head towards the ocean because it kind of stops there. Yeah, you can't. Unless you have a boat. You can't. And you're probably lucky because that's the best thing to do. Unless there's zombies on the boat, then you're screwed. That's right. Zombies on a boat. Cruise of the living dead. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right, so next we have Angie in Birmingham. Holy crap, I'd just like to apologize to all the African Americans because if the zombie apocalypse does happen, you're fucked. <laughs> okay, despite that being a funny email, this is a serious topic, Jason. So, you know, what was what is it, uh, Black Guy Dies First kind of thing? Well, not just that, but, I mean, go back to The Walking Dead, the main show, and they've had a lot of controversy over the years about bringing on a new black character and killing off the last one. Right. You know, T-Dog dies, they bring in Tyrese or whatever, Tyrese dies, they bring in Bob, Bob dies, they bring in Noah, Noah dies, you know, they bring Morgan back. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's really kind of strange how that has been a thing and they've been called out for it before and now we have fear the walking dead the first character to die was cal yep a black man um and then this week we had the principal die yep and matt who we don't know if he's dead yet but he was in pretty bad shape he's got a big bite and he's sick okay i mean he's definitely dying he's on his way we just didn't see it happen so like Angie kind of has a point. Like, what is it about this show? I mean, I, 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 I want to believe this is not done on purpose. 
right? This is not right. this is not a problem. This is not a racism problem they have, but it is a little bit alarming when you think about it. Now, yeah. to be fair, on the original show, I think lots more white characters have been killed uh, over the run of the uh, over the run of the five seasons. Um, but the pattern of like kill one, bring on another for for black people, black, black characters on that show is is what's alarming. On this show, we've only had two episodes, and the zombie apocalypse has not fully started yet. But the fact is, the three characters, the sort of three secondary characters that have died, have all been black. It is a little alarming. It's strange. We'll have to see how it goes, and I'm not going to pass any judgment at this point. But Angie put it in kind of a funny way, and I sort of appreciated that. The only judgment I'll pass on at this point is uh, I would like to say to the show, uh, the showrunners and producers and writers and all the staff, come on, guys, get your shit together. <laughs> Kill a white dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't want to say that. I'm just like, you know, <laughs> get it together. All people. right, get it together. All right, finally, let's read an email here from Shannon in Louisville, Kentucky. Kentucky. Overall, I'm still really enjoying the show, but there are little things that are annoying me, especially in this second episode. In the pilot, it was the fake-out scares, and in this episode, it's characters not being clear about what is going on. I wanted to scream when Travis is talking to his ex and just keeps yelling at her. He couldn't say, he, hey, there's a really dangerous virus, it seems to be highly contagious, and we need to get away from the city for a while. She still might have ignored him, but at least he'd have told her what was going on. Yeah. And it's inexcusable that no one is bothering to tell Alicia what is happening. I understand she's traumatized, but it's a matter of safety for her child. I thought she seemed in denial about the extent of Nick's problems before, and now I wonder if she just shuts down and tries to pretend everything is okay when things go bad. Uh, I mean, no wonder Nick is a drug addict if this is how she reacts to a crisis. Uh, Shannon's referring to Maddie in that last half yep. of that email not uh, yep. alicia um and we talked about this already a little bit i don't think it was that bad in general um but it's not perfect and that's definitely something maybe they could work on yeah communication people communication let people know what's going on tell them what's going on at least give them an idea yeah i, I just feel like for every example for every poor example of this in this episode anyways there was an okay example so you know they're right on the fence. It's 50-50 for me and, frankly, for a TV show where sometimes it's, like, all just really stupid how no one talks, they're doing all right. So, Okay. All righty. Um, thank you to you people that wrote in. I would love to get more feedback and maybe some holy crap moments for Fear the Walking Dead, so feel free to send those in. Um, we will be accepting emails at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. So you can write to that anytime you want. Uh, really quickly, let's just review what's coming up next on Fear the Walking Dead. And of course, we're talking about next week's episode. All I'm going to do is say the title um, and when it airs, <laughs> because no episode description has been released yet that I know of. So if you don't want to hear the title of the episode, you are going to want to uh, move on to the end right now. Um, but... The title, it's not very descriptive. It is The Dog. <laughs> the Dog. The Dog. Do you think that literally refers to a dog? I don't know. Let loose the dogs of war. Who let the dogs out? Um, Snoop Dogg. Dog pile. <laughs> Maybe Snoop Dogg's in this one. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, it is in L.A. Doesn't Snoop Dogg live in L.A.? 
Probably, probably. A lot of people live in LA. A lot of I mean, people. Hell, Tony Stark lives in LA. That's right. I don't know. Imagine what Iron Man would be doing in the zombie apocalypse. Oh, he'd be he, taking names. He sure would, man. That, in fact, an Iron Man suit might be the ultimate zombie fighting weapon. Well, yeah, because you know you just stand there. You're protected. You just stand there. You just stand there. I mean, if you can, <laughs> uh, if you can get away with wrapping your body up in magazines and duct taping them to yourself, or build a, a suit of uh, rubber tire armor, you'd be all set. You know, Iron Man would just be like. Yeah, he, he's fine. I'm good. I'm good. It's just that there's so many zombies, and there's only so many he can take out, right? Oh, come on. He's got a lot of time before uh, his power reserves run out. I suppose. Well, okay, so next week's is called The Dog, and it airs in two weeks on September the 13th. We are taking Labor Day off, so everyone go enjoy your barbecue, your beers, your camping, whatever is it, whatever it is you do on Labor Day. I know I will be up north and uh, probably not thinking about The Walking Dead too much. I'll be playing Cards Against Humanity with my wife and some friends. Nice. <laughs> it's kind of, it's pretty fun. Have you played it before? Yeah, a few times. I've not. Oh, it's it's fun. Um, it's kind of silly, uh, as you could probably guess, but uh, it's okay once the kids go to bed. You know, it's not a kid's game, that's for sure. Well, you should invite us over for a game because I don't know how to play. Sure. I've heard good things. There's very, the rules are not complicated. Uh, we'll do that. That's good because we're not very smart people. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> we'll get along well. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that's in two weeks. The dog, Fear the Walking Dead. Um, we may do a podcast next week. Uh, if we get a lot of listener feedback, I was thinking of maybe just doing a, a feedback episode just on these first two episodes if people have a lot to say. So look for us then. But if not, I apologize. And we will definitely be back in two weeks when we're covering episode three. And uh, then we'll be halfway through the season already. So it's just wow. blowing by. All right. Um, that's going to wrap it up. Please remember to visit talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon to use our Amazon links or hit us up on Patreon at patreon.com slash thetalkingdead. If you would like to contact us and send those emails in, you can do so by emailing talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Jason. Uh, the Talking Dead. Perfect. Facebook.com slash The Talking Dead or on Twitter at Talking Dead. If or you, you can go to Chris's house at uh, 187 <laughs> Dundas Street West, Toronto, Ontario. Okay, now that's a real address in this city. Please don't go there and harass anybody. I don't know what's there, but that's probably a real address. It's. I think it's City Hall. No, it's not. It might. Oh, Dundas. No, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Dundas. That's Queen Street. If it's like 200 Queen Street West, that's like City Hall. <laughs> yeah, well. So, yeah, go to go to City Hall and ask for Chris. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to find me there. Um, you're weird. You're weird. Stop telling people to go to random addresses. <laughs> all right. Uh, where was I? If you go to TalkingDeadPodcast.com, that's where you can find all of our episodes. You can go all the way back to number one there. And you can also send us a voicemail by clicking on send voicemail on the uh, right side of the page. So if you want to hear your voice on the show, that's a good way to send us a message. And I might play it. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Until next time, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.